We hear about it in the news. It's an issue that we all want to be aware of. We need to be aware of it, especially in the cleaning industry. What are we talking about? Meth contamination and facilities. We know what happens. Today's episode is going to spotlight what we need to know right now in the cleaning industry. With me today is Dr. Gavin McGregor-Skinner, the Senior Director of GBAC, and also Scott Vogel, the Chief Operations Officer with Emerge Clean in New Jersey. And I'll say this before I, inter- I have, let them talk, they have a lot of initials after their names. I don't have any, so I'll just ask the questions. So Gavin, Scott, welcome. Thanks, thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get right into this because we want to help the industry. Gavin, let's start with you. Why is meth contamination cleanup and facilities that topic so important for us? It's back in the media, Jeff. Um, you know, drug use in public spaces is everywhere. Um, it happens. We know that. But more importantly, exposure to drug residues is a known risk for every cleaning professional. Um, and I, I just wanted to highlight, Jeff, what's happened in the news this week. Uh, and again, I'm going to start off by saying this is not a problem in public libraries. It's a problem everywhere in every space um, that, that we in the built environment. So in the news this week, the Englewood Public Library in Colorado was temporarily, temporarily closed due to meth contamination after tests showed exhaust vents were contaminated with meth. Now, this is important above the Colorado state threshold levels. So you might think, why was this library tested? Well, because another library in Boulder a few weeks ago, about 35 miles from Englewood, was recently closed due to meth contamination. Now, the tests that were done on January the 6th at Englewood Library were done as a proactive measure. The results showed the restrooms exceeded state thresholds for methamphetamine contamination, but there are other spaces in the library that reflected lower levels of contamination, but they were still contaminated with meth. And I just want to highlight for everyone, Jeff, but in 2021 and now 2022, in 2021 specifically, more people died in the US from drug-induced deaths. Most were overdoses from meth and fentanyl. And if you look closely at this data, yes, you see meth increased and there were more deaths in the locations where it's always been used, but it also appeared in other parts of the country where it was you know, previously unheard of. So again, I want to emphasize, Jeff, it's not a problem just for libraries. It's a drug use is in public spaces everywhere. And this is a known hazard for every cleaning professional in the cleaning industry. You know, when someone goes to a library, you would think it's safe. Who would have thought that they would find this there? Other facilities as well. As well. Scott, let's go to you. Um, those watching this might wonder, well, I can clean it up. You know, I can go in and and I'm a cleaning company. Do you need to be certified to clean this type of issue, meth contamination or other issues like this? Well, the answer is kind of complicated. It's a yes and no. In the United States, there's currently no federal regulations regarding the cleanup. There's only instructions like support that the government has given us. So in 2007, the Meth Remediation Act was passed by Congress, and that empowered the EPA to put volunteer guidelines in place. Since that, a lot of states have adapted standards or some type of certification, but there's a lot of states lacking. And like what Gavin was mentioning before, it's become such a widespread event that the states that haven't created standards or certifications are really left behind. 
And in that document from the EPA that was released in 2013, what it says is if you don't have that state guideline or certification, then you have to resort back to the occupational health and safety for the 40-hour HAZWOPER, which is a hazardous waste and emergency uh, preparedness and response. So we have to look at that as a whole. The certification is a lot more complicated because you have how you clean it up. And you also have the safety and health of your employees. So they come together and really we have, we've as an, as an industry and well as the federal government, we have lacked on that standard completely. Okay. I want to touch on uh, processes here in a minute, but first Gavin set us up. Um, is this meth contamination issue a health risk for the cleaning industry? I, I would state, and my personal belief, my expertise, uh, Jeff, yes, it is. And I want to just highlight, you know, again, it's a very highly addictive stimulant. Um, if for those who don't know and don't want to know, but, you know, meth can be ingested by smoking, snorting. Now you could swallow a pill or injection. But more importantly for the cleaning industry, smoking meth releases several contaminants into the surrounding environment. Again, the most concerning one that we have for cleaning professionals is the meth vapor itself. Now, the National Institute on Drug Abuse states that when people are exposed to secondhand smoke, can test positive for meth afterward. But there's no specific number, Jeff, that identifies what, what is that unhealthy level of secondary meth exposure. We're talking about third-hand exposure. And that third-hand exposure comes from that meth vapor, that meth smoke that settles in, that's in the air, but also settles on surfaces. And so it's not a debate today about whether workers will have serious risk of health problems. It's the, the, what we're talking about right now is that smoking meth can contaminate the surfaces and air, and we know that it can persist for months to years. Now, we do know that research on the health impacts from touching a surface that has meth uh, residue on it is lacking. We know that. But what we so when we when that research is lacking, Jeff, we go to worker health reports. So people that have got sick at work have gone to the doctor or the hospital. And we know from review of those worker health reports that we've seen skin and eye irritations. We know there's been cough or asthma-like symptoms. We know that those people get increased respiratory infections, sleep issues, um, changes in mood, they get headaches, and then they also have memory difficulties. So even though the research is lacking um, about you know uh, what, what, whether the, the third hand actually happens, we believe it does be based on the health reports, the clinical reports. But more importantly, the, the National Institute on Drug Abuse also says that the health risks are more significant after prong, prolonged or you know, a long time exposure to meth contamination. So regardless, Jeff, of how unclear the science and policy is right now, that risk of meth exposure that drug contamination in areas where cleaning professionals work every day is a known hazard. And really, we, we, we firmly believe that no one should be going to work without receiving education and training on a known hazard. Okay, good information. Scott, in your previous comment, you talked about training and um, maybe some certification. So I can we assume there are standards, procedures for cleaning spaces that are contaminated with drugs? Well, as I mentioned before, the EPA has come out with that EPA volunteer mm -hmm. guidelines for meth and fentanyl laboratory, uh, laboratory cleanups as well. And that was actually revised in 2021 because of the increase of fentanyl. Now, you do have some standards that are coming out. 
the uh, IRCRC is coming out with the S900. So there is some sort of industry-related standards that are coming out. Most of your standards are related back into the cleanup and the results and the levels which are allowed, which are based on the state guidelines, which every state is completely different. And we have to look at that. There's no universal number. It is one could be 0.1 micrograms compared to 1.5. So it really differs. And that's why there's been no universal standard that came up because everybody is indecisive on what that true number is and how to go about it. Okay. Why don't you take a moment and just walk us through the process for cleaning meth contamination and validating cleanliness? I know you can't get into all the details, but big picture before people jump into this, what should they know? Well, like you said, I could be here for 48 hours just talking about how to clean it up. When we look at the processing validation, I always recommend right off the bat, a third party laboratory for validation. Any type of testing and cleaning should be done on a third party. Just help your liability and anything just to make sure, especially when we're dealing with meth, fentanyl and any illicit drug cleanup that we're dealing with. Now, when we go a little bit, people have to understand when you look at the test results, take a sweet and low package, one gram of that. By the amounts of trace that some states require, spread that over 25 acres. And if one of that hits, then technically it's a positive. And we don't look at it that way. We think about it as just a small little area, but the results in some states require so detailed cleaning. If the process starts with HEPA vacuuming, uh, ventilation, risk assessment. All of these are from start to finish. And each job will kind of decide a different way on how to attack it, as I would look at it. Are you dealing with a library? Are you dealing with a drug laboratory? Are you dealing with a school, a healthcare setting? Every type of situation will compl- will kind of lead you down its own path on the processes. And that's why I could be here for 48 hours. It's just the mere fact of starting off, it's essential that we really do that risk assessment. And then following, for example, the EPA guidelines, it's a really good package. They talk about HEPA clean, uh, vacuuming, wipe down. They talk about all of that. And there are some uh, third party uh, schools out there as well, like I said, the EPA volunteer guidelines, that will give you guidance. But when it comes to the processing, really start and understand the beginning needs a risk assessment and you need to know what you're going into. And then on back end, when it comes to validation, because what I talked about and how, how such a small level could make you fail, you have to have that validation from third party. And separating the cleaning from validation is essential when we deal with illicit drug cleanup from meth or any type of fentanyl any other type of opioids. Okay. Well, um, I'm thinking I'm going to cancel my plans to get into the industry and do that kind of work. I'll leave that to you expert, Scott. Thank you for the details. Gavin, uh, let's have you wrap up this episode and just talk about the big issues for the cleaning industry and what we need to know moving forward. Yeah, totally agree with what Scott just said, Jeff. Um, Again, let's focus back. Cleaning is about removing contaminants Cleaning is based on science. 
Um, you know, again, we, you and I have talked about this a lot, Jeff. What you can't see can hurt you. So it's not a matter of waiting for the document to be written or the policies there. It's the fact that this is a known risk right now. And when it's a known risk, again, I totally agree with what Scott said. We need standards for testing. We need standards for cleaning. And we need standards for validating. Um, we need to ensure that everything that needs to be done, the processes, procedures, the equipment, the products in cleaning for health and safety when it comes to drug contamination is known. It's widely taught. It's widely educated. It should not be a secret, Jeff. You know, so much of what we do in the clean industry is remains hidden. It's We've got to be more transparent. Everyone in the industry right now should be trained, educated on how to clean up for drug contamination. And I thoroughly believe that because from the data that we've seen across the country, that risk is just about everywhere. Mm -hmm.